재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Saturdays are freshly served around here. We talk about lifestyle, leisure, and pretty often food and drink. We've got just the right person. He is a chef. He is a food expert. He is a media consultant on food and just an all-around bon vivant. His name is Matt Chung, and he's here in the studio. Hey, Matt. Hello, hello. Happy Saturday morning. Happy Saturday morning to you too, Kurt. So uh, it's been a big week mm-hmm. of World Cup viewing. Yes. And uh, late nights, mm-hmm. particularly. No better place to be late at night sometimes in Seoul than uh, in a little plastic tent on the side of the street. Yes, it's not a form of like urban camping. It's a p o j a n g m a t a Uh, literally translating to covered wagons. So, mm-hmm. like, if you picture wagon as kind of being like a chuck wagon or a food truck, then it starts to all come together. So, these are outdoor, uh, usually, we'll get to that later, but mm. outdoor tents where they're serving, you know, cheap late night eats alongside drink. Yeah, it's almost come to be a, a genre as much as anything else, but the original sort of meaning, pojang matcha, and style of, of setting it up and drinking there, it feels uniquely Korean to me. I haven't seen it in many other places. I could be wrong, but it's just usually a dude with a little truck, and he builds a, an instant restaurant, mm-hmm. or she does, out of whole cloth, and people are sitting in there being waited on, cooked for, and served by this same one person or two people that built the thing from scratch all night long. And it's dead cheap and it's a lot of fun. Right. And it's very, very efficient and it's, you know, it's make do and it's put together, you know, through elbow grease, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but these things, they're, they're an indelible part of the Korean late night. landscape. I, yeah. mean, they, I, I think that if you talk about late night options, it's up there in the top three. And they uh, lack pretenses. You don't have to pretend or put on airs when you go to a pojang matcha. And it's funny you say that because there's a, there's a term that I really love in Korean. It's a Saming cosplay. So it literally translates into the idea of like cosplaying to pretend to be like, you know, just like a regular average show, a regular citizen. Mm. And you, you see it, say, in the United States, like, you know, on, during the presidential campaign where the presidents, will, they'll go to like, say, like a barbecue joint. Pressing right? the flesh, getting down there with the real people. Kissing babies. Yeah. yeah exactly. I'm relatable. Yeah. And it's, it's always used slightly tongue in cheek, you know, in a way that kind of calls out this almost a little patronizing manner where where like politicians or, you know, the ultra elite, where for an evening they'll, you know, go and hobnob with the hoi polloi. Ah, so the pojang matcha can occasionally be sort of a, a stage, a platform for s u n m i n cosplay. Right. I think, you know, some people kind of see it almost as like a town hall sort mm. of uh, platform for it. Markets get used that way too, don't they? Like oh, the absolutely. fish market or the fruit markets. Like here I am rolling up my sleeves. I'm with you. Right, right. And, you know, and I think you see this in a lot of these places. And it makes sense because it's one, it, it's a location, it's the it's kind of epicenter of, you know, the after hours world here in, in, in Seoul. It's where, like, you know, no matter where you're, you know, where you're clocking out of, no matter where your office is, everyone just kind of makes their way over there. This and is where we get real, man. We're just mm-hmm. going to go sit in the plastic tent. We're going to order. Uh, Pojang, where should we, how should we make this a structured thing? I mean... 
Where do we start? Do we start with uh, defining the basic DNA of what a pojang matcha is? Is it just the plastic tent and the cheap chairs that make it a pojang matcha, or do we have rules? I think it's a little tricky to create a definition because over the years it's slowly grown, right? Mm. So, you know, pojang matcha are a thing that really boomed in you know the '60s and the '70s, and that was kind of the heyday. Ah. And you know, it was a kind of favorite of the ba- the baby the baby boomer generation. Humble origins. I don't have the capital to actually run a restaurant, but I can set up this tent, and it kind of feels like a restaurant. Exactly, and it's from there. And I think it's only slowly grown because um, part of the magic that is pochang matcha, I think, is the nostalgia factor. And I think whether it be you know aging baby boomers who were dining in these places late night, you know, 50 years ago at its heyday. Or it could be something that's almost learned, right? Because I think it's become a very much a Korean drama cliche that mm-hmm. you know someone gets into a fight at a pojang matcha or that's a breakup it. happens at a pojang matcha. So many pivotal scenes in so many famous dramas, I think, occur in pojang matcha because they're an easy set, aren't they? Absolutely, and I think like when you're shooting a pojang matcha too, like it looks really good on film. Mm. You're shooting in like low depth of field and you're getting nice warm light coming in. It does feel like one of those places where you're in a conversation with you know a Another person or a small group, and it doesn't. Fe- and the rest of the world just kind of melts away. Yeah, and you know the whole night just becomes this kind of warm, hazy. You know, so so th- there is this kind of feeling that this ineffable feeling that happens at a pojang matcha. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of the definition because you know now you have things like shille pocha and like rooftop pocha, and they're not. outdoors per se in the way that your traditional pojang matcha would be done in like a parking lot or a street corner and those two they have a lot of the same dna as your traditional pocha do but they feel a little bit different and so and so there are a large number of people who don't go to these places because they feel like oh that's not a true pojang matcha Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing about a true pojang matcha is that it's, it always involves some element of spontaneity, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody says, hey, let's meet next Friday and we're going to go to a pojang matcha. Mm-hmm. It's more like we're going to go wherever we're going. And then pojang matcha is sort of like the yi cha or the sam cha. Right, right. Uh, or it's, it's a spontaneous decision. Mm-hmm. Hey, meet me in five minutes at the pojang matcha. Right. Um, so you just find yourself kind of sitting there casually, like we said, without pretense, plastic chairs, plastic tables. And then you order, you know, uh, really simple food, right? Takdongjip mm-hmm. or, right. Uh, you know, clam soup or ton, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that every neighborhood, every kind of... Because pojang matcha rarely exists in a vacuum, right? Like, you rarely just find one. You know, it's because I think, and that's the sort of case with a lot of the restaurant scene out here. There is a you know, power in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, you have to be in an area that's known for its pojang matcha, mm-hmm. you know, either, you know, because there are a lot of uh, offices there, you know, and it's, you know, it's where a lot of people will go kind of as an impromptu after work gathering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite uh, pojang matcha food? Ah, oh, I mean, I think it's really hard to deny that this series of pojang matcha down in Busan It's on h a e w o n d e It's right on the beach. It's um, it, the the name in Korean literally translates to ocean village, mm. and it's because it's a it's a collection of I want to say like 20 to 40 pojang matcha. There's a good number of them there, and they specialize in hue, Korean raw fish. Wow! And you know, so you're getting what you would be paying, say, at like the you know at the markets or even at a restaurant. What you'd be paying a lot more over there, but mm. you're 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 eating it in this really very very stripped down you know. Right by the beach, you can hear the seagulls, you can hear the waves crashing. And what's 
great is, is that this particular set of pojang matcha, they specialize in this dish, h e m u r a m y o n So it's instant Korean noodles, you know, the, the cheap instant Korean noodles, but they load it with some of the best seafood that you can get. So they'll load it with, you know, not just regular shrimp, but say like super seasonal, like hyper seasonal shrimp that you can only get for maybe about two weeks at a time. You'll get abalone in there. crab legs, all the best stuff. And it's this beautiful juxtaposition of that high-low that I love. I got to get down to Busan. Mm-hmm. You're making me... Every time you talk up Busan, right. I, I resolve to get down there. I mean, what about you? Like, what are some of your fondest memories? Or where do you like to go? Oh, there's a Pojang Matcha that... Uh, let's just say it's in the Gwangwamun district. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of uh, sort of the hacks in town would go to one place and then end up at the Pojang Matcha. This mm-hmm. guy uh, setting up in... I don't know whether it was fully legal or not, but he would set up and be gone by four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy did all of the work, and we would order sort of keranjim and uh, steamed uh, mussels mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And we would go through a bunch of soju, and it was a perfect sort of midnight way to be sort of half in the fresh air and half inside. And come what may, whether it rained or whether it was a hot summer night, it was just somehow perfect. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's it, right? Just because no matter what the outdoor conditions are, no matter what the weather is, because, I mean, one of the most popular times for p o j a n g m a t a is in the dead of winter. Mm. And I, I think no matter how... bad the weather might be otherwise once you sit down on a plastic stool and you start to get some hot food coming your way it all starts to take on that nice friendly glow yeah yeah well and the adaptability of a pojang matcha Mm -hmm. you know you'd be amazing how amazed how warm sheet plastic can be when you close it up zip it up and run a little heater Mm -hmm. that'll toast up very quickly in a winter setting and then in a summer setting when uh, the weather is warmer more humid you just lift those plastic flaps up and suddenly you've got sort of an al fresco gazebo so it's totally adaptable um so yeah uh I guess um, for somebody who's fresh off the plane, sometimes we target people who are just beginning their career experience and they see these green plastic tents by the side of the road. Maybe they could be a little intimidated. I don't know how to approach it. What are some basic sort of rules of the road etiquette for uh, starting a pojang matcha habit? Uh, so one, I think when you're looking for a good pojang matcha, like, you know, where, you know, there, there's this one, there's that one, you know, which one do I go to? Generally go to the busier one. I mean, it's not always a sign that, oh, they're serving the better food, but any place you go, the, even if you're going to say like a, like a legendary, you know, storied pojang matcha, but it's dead that night. You want to go someplace that's busy because of the fresh turnover of that's food. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think freshness. trumps say like you know the recipe or the origin of the ingredients when it comes to putting much of food because it's all fairly straightforward you just want to make sure it's hot and hasn't been sitting around the food tends to be on the simpler quick get it hot kind of side i mean Have you ever encountered what you would call a gourmet pojang matcha where there's some sort of esoteric food? I think I'd probably actually actively avoid a place that was trying to do something maybe fusion-y or fine dining-y. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the right setting for it, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I, you know, I think when you, when you go, you want something simple because you know, it's a simple setup and you, you want them to be able to do the best that they can. 
Shouting's so, cool. Mm-hmm. You can shout across the way to the person. Usually you have to. Yeah, there, it's not a place for the meek. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you'll never get your order in if you're just, like, if you're just you know, whispering like a little excuse me. Yes, mm-hmm. and be ready to order. I mean, when those people come over, they are usually the waiter, waitress, the cook, the maitre d', the accountant, and everything in between. So you better know pretty quickly what you want. And if your language skills aren't up to, uh, to, to snuff – the point method mm-hmm. works beautifully. Absolutely, yeah. You know? you know, a polite point. You know, they'll know exactly what you mean. And I think that's the number one rule in Pujang Matra, right? Is is that they'll get the food out to you quickly. They're not going to waste your time, so don't waste theirs. Yeah. You know, okay. you know, you know after, after you're done, you know, you get up. If you want a little bit more, go to a different one or order some more food. You know, just you know, get in, you order, you eat, and then you leave. What do you think the economics of Pojang Matcha are like for those people that run it? Are they in a sort of a hardship situation or are they doing okay or do you reckon they break even after they've done a hard night at the Pojang Matcha? That's an interesting question and I, it, it's a little difficult to answer just because of the kind of legal gray area that mm-hmm. a lot of these Pojang Matcha where they operate in. So I, I assume that if without the overhead of a restaurant and maybe say without you know, you know, pesky little things like paying taxes and whatnot yeah. yeah some of them might be doing okay but right. you know the, the sad fact is is that a lot of them are operating illegally and you know as a result they've really cracked down and numbers of pochamata have dwindled because if you are going to do it completely legally and by the books it doesn't make any sense at all to do it you'd have to have frankly. it zoned and it would have right. it would be like a de facto restaurant exactly you know yeah, a, a, a restaurant that you couldn't operate 365 days out of the year Yeah. Because I mean, even though Pojang Matcha are popular in the you know in the dead of winter, it's not every day that there's a line, right? It's like you know usually like right before holidays or you know over a long weekend. That's when uh, you know you'll get like a little spike in sales, but you can't really operate it every single day like you would a restaurant. It does operate in that little uh, gray area because. Almost by definition, Pojang Matcha do not have their own, say, restroom facilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there are certain uh, hygiene uh, laws that they ipso facto kind of skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> our favorite Pojang Matcha used to have a giant plastic bucket and say, there's your restroom, my friend. Hey, whatever works. And I think that's one of the things that makes Pojang Matcha such this you know, very precious, warm, nostalgic thing for Koreans. Is, is that I think it really does reflect the Korean... Un, you know, unbreakable willingness to make do. Mm. And it, this is a direct reflection of that. And it's kind of, as we go into the, you know, deeper into the 21st century and as we, you know, start this long goodbye to the Pojang Matcha because it seems to be heading in that direction. I think that God, we hold on. t h a t s a sad n o t But we, we hold on to it because I think it's a good reflection of how far we've come. That is going to be something I'm going to chew on this weekend because uh, I do not want to see the Pojang Matcha die. I wonder if there's some sort of uh, randomized distribution pattern, perhaps revolving license system, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, whereby you could cultivate the Pojang Matcha but still have it be sort of spontaneous and still have it kind of have that cowboy aspect. The last thing in the world I ever want to see is like a Pojang Matcha zone brought right. to you by the Seoul Metropolitan Government. I think that would be uh, kind of a mistake. I think if you could do it kind of in a way, say like take the Singapore Hawker Center idea, but 
then make it put it on a micro level yeah. right? instead of having like two or three big ones throughout the city you know zone individual neighborhoods or wards yeah. and like you know and and you know, make it like a combination of the hawker system in in singapore and the taxi medallion system in new york city where like you know the the, the rights kind of pass from you know hand you know like down to from owner to owner That's good. Mm-hmm. Now I'm no longer sad about the mm-hmm. Pojang Maja going away. Not with good minds like yours on it. Matt Chong, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure.